Hello, you've tuned in to the Unanimous Hour. I'm Brian Gathy, and today I'll askew the preliminary uh, verbal spew I usually uh, uh, make you endure and get right to the heart of the matter. On today's show, the whole show will be my conversation with Glenn Donaldson, a fellow uh, Bay Area resident who creates really beautiful music under the moniker of the reds, pinks, and purples. He took it out on the road, uh, opening the tour for Destroyer in recent months, and he's put out just a ton of great music. You can find most of it on Bandcamp. A lot of the vinyl sold out, but you can find some through Slumberland. Just really good dream pop uh, influenced by things like 80s post-punk. He came up in the hardcore scene, but you don't really hear that in his music. It reminds me of something along the lines of Psychedelic Furs by way of Bell and Sebastian and a little bit of The Cure thrown in there. Anyhow, it's highly original, highly romantic, and uh, just a really well-written song. So I really suggest you check out Threads, Pinks, and Purples. He even did a Moving Targets cover on one of the recent records, which is awesome. But getting that out of the way, Glenn Donaldson's a very thoughtful and funny guy. It was cool having a conversation. We talked about him coming up as a hardcore kid in the Southern California and his lifelong love of lungfish, as well as getting deep on the song, Fearfully and Wonderfully. So, brace yourselves. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the show, Glenn Donaldson. I really appreciate you taking the time, and any lover of lungfish is a friend of mine. So yeah, it's you. a it's its own tribe. I think it really is. It really is. And uh, as I said in the intro, uh, one I love your band, the project you do, the reds, pinks, and purples, and I love seeing your Instagram posts because you always post a handful of things you're listening to and they're usually nothing like what your music sounds like but are just great curated uh old punk rock and shoegaze and dream pop and everything else yeah it's just stuff i pull out of my collection as long as well as new stuff but but yeah mostly it's just i have a large collection i just go shopping i I think during the pandemic i just started to realize oh i should just kind of go shopping in my own boxes and pull things out (laughs) yeah i always get surprised sometimes and it kind of makes me mad when you're young every single record or piece of media you get is you just pour over like it's the torah and you know, as we get older and have a tiny bit more disposable income, like I'm surprised myself and pull out a record that I don't remember buying. And I'm like, oh, wow, I got to <laughs> listen to this thing. <laughs> yeah, it, there is an advantage to being a bit of a hoarder musically. Yeah. You can enjoy enjoy your library. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All right. Well, let's start this as we usually do. So, Glenn... Do you recall when this body of songs tugged on your shirt sleeve and whispered in your ear? Well, I sort of inherited punk music because I'm from Fullerton, California, and punk was a pretty big th- deal there. But I'm of the age when I got really into it as far as I was able to buy things when I got to that age and go to shows was sort of the late 80s. And Discord kind of ruled like that was i mean it was really having a moment you know start yeah i don't have to tell you um you've (laughs) devoted several podcasts to it um but yeah so of course i was into the southern california punk and and the english stuff and then i think through flipside magazine there was an issue in sort of the i think like 85 or 86 and it had featured rights of spring and embrace and 
had all these kind of historic photos of them. And I that just I was like, okay. And then the Discord ads were ubiquitous and they were always mm-hmm. so, you know, aesthetically they drew you in the kind of the mysterious photo and the the kind of lovely layout that they had. It must have been the drummer, minor threat drummer. His name is yeah, Jeff Nelson. Jeff Nelson, yeah. It must have been a Jeff Nelson design or I don't know. But I'm just I guessing. think I think originally and then is that they went on different people, or they would use different folks' uh, photos. Right. But yeah, the layout feels like his mm-hmm. kind of like very classy, yet very minimalist, yet tasteful layout. Oh, definitely. So I was an avid reader of fanzines, so I was being drawn in through record reviews. And a lot of the stuff I just never heard because, you know, I didn't have the money to purchase these things and you couldn't hear them on the internet. There was no internet. But anything DC, because I was excited about punk, but when kind of the mid-80s hit, that's when punk started to get very poetic. And and no one was more poetic and out about being artistic than the DC area stuff. I don't know, they kind of put aside that kind of angry political thing, and they went more towards this expressing art um, and poetry. And and like, we just looked at the cover of Rites of Spring, There, it was like this abstract you know very modern kind of art on the cover instead of you know a cut up cut and paste collage yeah so along with that kind of feeling of like wow dc is really the place to be and i'd buy anything and so i ended up purchasing the reptile house uh, lp because i knew that it was associated with i know they're from baltimore but i knew it was associated with kind of that scene so that was actually the first thing I heard was uh, listen to the Power Soul. Wow. So so you heard that before you heard the 7-inch too, I take it then? Yeah, I knew about the 7-inch, but it could not obtain it. It wasn't a common uh, record back then. I don't, I don't okay. think it, I never saw, ran across it. I think it was already out of print probably by then. But yeah, so I stumbled on listening to the Power Soul. It must have been 86, 87. I don't know when that came out 87 maybe maybe yeah i mean either end of 86 beginning 87 that's definitely the window so yeah lungfish didn't exist yet and i was really into this record listen to power soul and i know you're i know you're kind of like lukewarm on it because i've listened to a couple of your of your podcasts but i I Mm -hmm. really love that record and i kind of wish that he stayed in that zone for a little bit longer because i just really liked that sound and yeah and I, of course, love what Lungfish became, but but something was special about listening to the Power Soul, and I just I still own my copy, and I <laughs> it's still one of my favorite records. So, That's and then cool. so it kind of jumped to I bought so I bought the next one, Necklace of Heads, when that came out, and because I knew it was the guy from uh, Reptile House, just from reading fanzines or whatever. It, at first, I was like, I don't know about this. It was definitely more rock sounding. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely that record has that if anything almost mainstream rock production for their sound but i was kind of ready for it because you i mean one of the early shows i saw was jane's addiction and i think this has been mentioned before but i feel like there are some parallels between like that era where jane's addiction kind of coming from their post-punk sound into like a more like hard rock influence thing Mm-hmm. And I feel like Nex- Necklace of Heads kind of fits in that zone as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. With, with of course, uh, inevitably a tiny, with Fugazi being a new band and being so different sounding at the time than anything else, like that ha- that rubbed off on that early Lungfish stuff too. Oh, for sure. And and, yeah. and Soulside must have also. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Soulside Trigger was was sort of influential record on that kind of chugging rhythmic sound because I, I remember that was that was a record i was really into as well but yeah. anyway we're talking about lung fish. i know we're <laughs> yes i tracked into all these <laughs> other but so love reptile house kind of was like wasn't sure about necklace of heads but then i got really into it and then just was kind of yeah checking in whenever they released something well and so did you see uh see them on any of those first couple tours they did no, I didn't get to see Lungfish live. Uh, I saw a lot of the other Discord things from that era. I saw um, Fugazi, of course, many times. I saw Shudder to Think. 
Mm. Um, yeah. I saw they weren't on Discord, but Sandwich Records. Sandwich Records was kind of like the new cool label. And I was like really into all the Sandwich releases. Um, yeah, they had I a saw, good track record. Yeah, yeah, I saw Swizz when they came out with uh, American Standard also played. They were there like, a, I think, from Jersey. Yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of like that new crop of bands I was really excited about. And Lungfish was kind of part of that that new crop as well. Okay, so... You said it took a minute to get acclimated to, uh, especially the first Longfish after being really into Reptile House. And I could see that because, I mean, Reptile House, especially by Power Soul, was more, had a not quite minimal, and I wouldn't say lush, but somewhere in between there, kind of much darker, post-punky thing going on than Longfish. And they were... As much as I like certain songs on Power Soul, the whole thing didn't grab me start to finish the way some other stuff did. But live, they were amazing at that point. Okay, so what what was the first release of Longfish where you felt like, okay, this speaks to me like instantly? Or was there one? Well, I feel like with Reptile House, the thing that I liked about it and that was missing from almost all the Lungfish stuff was they had more of a sense of melody with the guitars. So they mm -hmm. had like the riff element and the repetition, but then there was also this almost like psychedelic, yeah, death rock, um, post-punk melody element. And that would kind of they have like a snake charmer or like lead or something. And then they mm -hmm. sort of excise, they take out all those kind of flowery parts and Lungfish just becomes very, you know, Spartan and more hard rock inspired. But, you know, I guess Talking Songs for Walking, that one really kind of flipped me out and probably is still my favorite of theirs. But I, I went back and after that and got listened to my copy of Necklace of Heads. This is all whenever this was, 1989 or something. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to put myself back there. But then I went back and, and realized Necklace of Heads was awesome, too. And I just, yeah, those first two are still my favorites, probably Talking Songs for Walking and Necklace. That's great. That's really cool. I, You're maybe the first person I feel like that I've had on the show anyway that I've talked to where that's their favorite era. Well, I like when bands kind of, you know, they really figured out what they were and they just went further into the eye of the, of the storm of Lungfish or whatever. But... Mm. I like that they weren't sure what they were for like a couple records. I like when, oh, yeah. band, when bands, you know what I mean? When they have like this great idea, they've unlocked this gem of an idea and they, yeah, haven't, pol they haven't polished it yet. They haven't like yeah, defined sure. it yet. Yeah, like their uh, first couple records are like them in the laboratory, them work workshopping, trying to throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks, yeah. Right. So the rule book isn't like tight yet. The rules aren't strict yet. So I kind of like the messiness of those first two. There's that kind of like groovy bass and mm -hmm. and there's some kind of maybe dated, yeah, sort of grungy rock elements. But those are the things I like about it. I enjoy it this now. But of course, flash forward to the one we're talking about, which is, you know, I kind of lost touch with them for a while, sort of in the, the flash forward like 30 years or whatever <laughs> but when uh when does love is love come out it came out in 2003 which was right around when i checked back well i checked back in around 2002 ish i missed the middle records yeah same thing happened to me i sort of like forgot about them i and i always appreciated them and and their minimalism kind of made them really stand the test of time and across many different changes over in hardcore and post-hardcore, whatever. But then this one came out and everyone was like, oh, wow, this is a return to form. This is a magical version of like lungfish. I yeah, mean, yeah. like peak lungfish right here. Exactly. Yeah. It fully formed. It's hitting on all cylinders, it's, et cetera. Especially, you know, uh, we'll get into, of course, musically too but even just just lyrically it's like he can barely keep up with all the lyrics he's he's spitting out on each song so yeah it's great. yeah and every song is it's it's a perfection of of their mission i think mm -hmm. yeah absolutely cool well uh let's dive into this thing so we're talking about fearfully and wonderfully and 
this is the prototypical formula, if not uh, execution of Lungfish Song. You know, the one riff, just one riff on and on, given Dan room and space and dynamics within that riff to really uh, go out there. Yeah, I noticed that the drums kind of shift in this one in an interesting yeah. way. And there's like, this band comes up a lot uh, when you when you talk about Lungfish on your podcast is Black Sabbath. Like this one has very mm-hmm. Sabbath-y Tom rolls. Oh, interesting. That, that, that kind of yeah. like, you know, in the beginning, there's that kind of like that staggered tumbling Tom bit that's completely Black Sabbath. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I didn't think that. I, yeah. I, I, noted, I noted the Tom rolls especially because it it does the slow roll into the song to my my mind uh went to ring of star but yeah i mean uh bill ward is, is probably way more of mitchell's uh drum style for sure yeah and also the way the bass doubles the the lick mm-hmm. yeah that that's very very sad <laughs> um yeah. That guy was like, this is one of the most Sabbath ones I've heard from them. But of course, when you add in the other elements, we don't get anything that's anything like Sabbath. It's like their rhythm is always kind of recycling itself in a way that Sabbath really wouldn't. Um, True. Sabbath kind of like stretches out over this kind of blues progression usually. But this one like lungfish that i guess that's their maybe their kraut rock sort of um Mm -hmm. influence where things are just kind of going in a circle at a certain point so yeah and it's banding and contracting within the cyclic uh riff yeah so i first you know it's kind of funny because you know i listened to lungfish quite a bit um over the years and i don't really pay attention honestly to the music because that's what's nice about it. It lifts you up and you don't have to consider the parts. Mm-hmm. You know, it just is this one like churning feeling for me. Yeah. That's one gift of, of doing this show. I mean, amongst many, it is doing such deep listening on these things. You know, I, I know these, their uh, catalogs so well, but having to really, really get under the hood with, with the songs individually it has opened them up even more for me and yeah you're right i mean i was the same way with with the music and really trying to tune into the subtleties of of what they are doing was it has been really relevatory for me you know because i know we're just gonna like any show it's inevitable to to just talk for a long time about higgs's part in this so i i do like to give props to the other guys and, and talk about them a little bit too so like for me, I felt like uh, Mitchell's drum beat on this one's interesting because he's very metronomic a lot and usually uh, with a lot more kind of closed hi-hat and if ride, like very tight ride than open. But this one's, this his beat on this whole song is very splashy and a little uh, looser than his usual tight rhythms in a good way. It, it It helps it breathe. And same with Ace's playing, I felt like on guitar he's just playing the one riff but he's there's times where he lets his fingers get a little uh little more without going into riffs or solos lets some kind of drift and lets the song smear at the edges which i think is great yeah and there i feel like it's very 70s hard rock influenced you know rendered in this is kraut rock's style but yeah, that's very Sabbath and yeah, that kind of rolling feel to it. But it is it is very strictly r- repetitive as well. And then the getting to the lyrics, it's like very yeah. almost Dio like level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Have you funny. That? I think that, that came to me too in a couple of ways, but especially of course the rainbow in the dark comes to mind. <laughs> but, oh yeah. Wings yeah. of wings of rainbow fire. That's oh, that's yeah. I don't know if you saw the, uh, did you see the Dio documentary, the recent one? Yeah, it was, it surprised me at how good that thing was. Yeah. It was, that was a really beautiful movie. Um, It was. I'm not even really a Dio guy, but after seeing that, I'm like, wow, Dio is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Same. Okay. uh, The lyrics. Yeah. The lyrics on this thing. Let's get into them. All about the Bible on this one. It seems like Higgs is kind of obsessed with retelling these 
creation myth stories and these pay-ins to the uh, act of creation, whether, you know, in the form of expression through art and through spirituality and through, you know, all manner and through science, etc. But this one seems very biblical. Yeah, he's kind of hitting you over the head with it on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. there's just no... Yeah, because if you're in case you were wondering before if he's inspired by, you know, Christianity, this will definitely, you know, seal that. But um <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always feel like, you know, again, well as with the music, I don't really think about his lyrics that much. I know that's mm. an odd thing to say, but I yeah, think they're as a, like as a songwriter yourself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the lyrics are beautiful and they're almost just like so beautiful. And there's such passion in his voice that I don't have to be burdened with the meaning. Right. Well, I mean, that's a great point. That's how they usually uh, affect me too, especially ones like this song where there's so many lines and there's so many specific lines within it that, I mean, there's some repeating lines, but there's so many lines within it that you can just chew on the one line for a long time. So it's hard to like, catch all of it even after many listens it's easier to let it all wash over you as you're listening well so i was thinking so when you asked me to do this i was you know reading the lyrics and kind of wow i don't really usually look at lungfish lyrics in this way kind of with a critical mm -hmm. eye or trying to kind of explain what they're about in my mind yeah and i was like what is he really on about this whole time <laughs> <What is> he... <laughs> like what is he what is he he's been really agitated about something for like decades and mm -hmm. and in such a wonderful way poetic mm -hmm. way but I, I realized that that maybe if i had to sum it up which i think you can is like he's kind of kind of like walt whitman in this way he's singing a lot about inspiration and creativity like what that means to him what that means for his life and and what it means to like feel that inspiration to use words or to paint or whatever it is that he does to sing. Yeah. And to, um, to paint with words or tattoo with paint, right. et cetera. And, and yeah, any and combination of those, of those things. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, I just, that was like all I could come up with. I mean, I, I realized that there are maybe more specific things on different, in different songs that he's tackling, but I feel like, this one especially is kind of about the awe and wonder of like mm -hmm. creation. Yeah, yeah, Being absolutely. Creative. And you know, like I say on many of these shows, we we're all just throwing darts in the dark on uh, trying to say what these songs mean because we're not Dan Higgs, so we're just getting what catches our ear, what repetition or what pattern of uh, images, etc., mean to us that he's throwing out. So of course, uh, you know, there's no way to know a hundred percent. But you're right. I mean, it, it it does sound like a ode to inspiration in in whatever way. And there's very psychedelic imagery. It's biblical, like I said. I mean, the all the all the talk of the water and the sky is very Genesis, Genesis, the book, not the band. And uh, as previous guest Mint uh, had pointed out which I didn't know, I guess the actual title of the song fearfully and wonderfully is from Psalm 20, uh, 139 in the Bible, which, you know, I absolutely, I couldn't tell you what, I couldn't tell you any Psalms, you know, offhand myself, but. Well, I know, I know Psalm 76 through 80. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I was going to say, wow, really? <laughs> no. um, yeah, this is, this is, uh, yeah, fearfully and wonderfully. Yeah. It's about uh, creation as well. It's like a statement about um, being created in fearfully and wonderfully. Also, that line jumps out. Uh, I just wrote it down. The transpose the old and new in fear and wonder. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like that's very much like what songwriting is. Yeah. Um, he does that so much in his songs, especially the later ones, more than the early ones, is speak of especially singing, but even uh, making music, but often singing as a, uh, you know, different past would talk about meditation or service or, or study or whatever. He speaks of singing in this way of uh, like a, a spiritual path itself. Yeah. And he's wondering, you know, what his purpose is and why he's so obsessed with words and, 
and images mm-hmm. and things. I think it's probably that's kind of the dichotomy that he's always facing. I think artist face is like creativity is is wonderful and it's also curse like. It can create you know issues in your life and and uh, we don't always have a great relationship with our own creativity. I guess that's that's sort of in this song too. Mm, yeah the christ the christ beast you know yes which is one of my favorite which which is the first thing that jumped out when i very first heard the song i was like whoa holy holy christ beast wow that's such a uh, like i've mentioned on the show before just one of those kind of juxtapositions of of words thrown together that just instantly stops your brain and forces you to like reckon with what the hell is christ beast it's yeah, just, I, I uh, feel like we won't have to, we won't be able to get out of this without mentioning Gnostic uh, Christianity. Yeah, yeah um, I think you're right because that's especially during this period. I mean, all through the catalog, but especially as it goes on in the last couple few records. But a hundred percent on this record, I was kind of uh, reading ahead in some of the lyrics as well. Like the song Child of Chaos at the end is a kind of very Gnostic one as well. And this one and the, the one before this one, uh, this world that we just did last episode. Yeah. So here he kind of just draws the distinction between the kind of like, uh, I don't know, I'm not really a Gnostic scholar or anything, but the distinction between a sort of creator, creator God and then sort of divinity, which are, are right. like two separate things in Gnosticism. Yeah. Yeah. Like the creator God. It, thinks or wants his creation to think that he is the the god the only god and uh, gnostics believe he's kind of crazy and egotistical and that like you said divinity is beyond you know beyond what the, our creator and creator of this world is uh yeah. yeah so he's wondering if he's an egomaniacal creator or if he, or if he's really pulling from this like divine part of himself i, I that's what i felt like he was yeah. going into that God form part that's formless, yeah. the formless God form. That's kind of like maybe he's starting to like feel some kind of uh, not not godlike power, but just kind of like just a sort of like essence of what he wants to say or wants mm-hmm. to be as an artist. And then but he's still got this, you know, battle within himself with this crude, more crude creation, um, this ego or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that that reads and another kind of beautifully written but puzzling line or a line that just like Zing Cohen's kind of challenges your brain as well for me was, and it keeps repeating that more than anything, that it's God form that's formless and forming in your baby. And then uh, a comma, Jesus Christ, I just lost a word. <laughs> and then forming in your baby, comma, in your mind. <laughs> which is that lot that lot, second line is like okay yeah. wait what <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, I, it's okay if we lose punctuation and syntax we're going into a uh... <laughs> yeah we're going beyond syntax <laughs> right um yeah you know i don't that's the thing i feel like he throws out images and sometimes i think he's just amused with himself and his mm-hmm. and the end He's just kind of maybe stumbles on things that he reads in religious spiritual texts. Or sometimes I think he just likes to go surf to go surfing into his vocabulary and find images. And yeah. they're inspiring to him or they're stimulating to him or they just sound good over riffs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really know. Um Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And, of course, and it's know, different for everybody. Yeah, it could totally. be all the above. <laughs> I love that line, the shambling like living scripture. Yes. Man, yes. what a great! I was just looking at that. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. It um, really is. And 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 he, that's kind of him, you know. He, he's always shambling, like living right. scripture as a stage really presence, <laughs> right. you know. Um, he's like a biblical form. He's got the beard, and he's 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 kind of like a mad preacher uh, persona um, mm-hmm. at times. He's got the black, the shabby black um, dress coat and uh, waistcoat or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what an interesting, what an interesting character he is. But then also, he's very aware of, aware of that he's like in a rock band too. So I feel yeah. like you have these two, this dichotomy, you know. 
Yeah, and that brings up that's you know, I think there's an element of Dan that probably is aware of the Dan Higgs character as much as the uh you know, the Dan Higgs singer of Lungfish character, as much as that's him, it just as any artist, it, it it's it's probably a version of thereof or a magnification thereof because you know i i don't know about you I've, I've talked to him a number of times and there's times you talk to him that you know you absolutely get dan hicks that's the singer of these kind of lyrics and then other times where you know just very down-to-earth uh guy that you'd like anyone else you would talk to at a show but yeah, yeah. i mean i've sort of became i've been i'm a singer songwriter myself and and there's definitely there's this I mean, you have to take a perspective to create a song and, mm. and he seems to, and it can't be all just you, you know, right. yeah. he, he's sort of a channeler of, of images and, and, and poetic things, but it's not always him. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think he would say it was, I think that he trapped, but he's probably trying to find that. Um, that's sort of like what everyone's doing in life, um, right. trying to find out who they are. But yeah. when you when you put it in a song or when you kind of get into words, the words kind of, yeah, they become, you know, you're shambling like living scripture. You're kind of like, you know, stumbling around wearing these words, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm glad uh, talking to you about this song because I get the, in some other songs, the aspect of the song or whole song that is about the act of being an artist or what it means to be one and to do it fully and to do it right and to figure it out uh, as you go. But I, I didn't, that wasn't the first thing that came to mind with this one, but everything you're saying definitely checks off. And as I'm looking at the lines again, I'm like, wow, yeah, you could read that throughout the song as well, Be you know, in most of the lines yeah i mean i i immediately just thought wow he he got an idea and he's singing about an idea i mean he's like the wings like rainbow oars of fire isn't as goofy an image as as it seems when you think about when you get a really great idea it really does feel like wings with like rainbow oars of fire you know yeah. you really just you know sail across the water on ideas you know high on ideas high on yes. images mm -hmm. and that's who's who more represents that kind of uh you know work than than Dan Higgs? I mean, he's just like, you know, in his visual art and in his poetry and in his music, you're you're kind of surfing out on the rainbow oars of fire into like the cosmos, right? I mean Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. From from the first step. <laughs> yeah, I, that that brings to mind, uh, even just the form is writing on this is really well crafted. There's, you know, there's the repetition, but then there's also the within the lines, but then there's the uh, way he keeps altering. Like the first time he mentions rolling on the water, waters with wings of rainbow fire, then it's uh, like you said, uh, with wings like rainbow oars of fire. And then later in the song, it goes even further with wings like rainbow oars of fire folding to sing the sky out. So it's really nicely uh, forming as it goes, like it's extending and expanding the uh, the lines. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, what do you think about his lyrics? Like, do you care to, if it's poetry or if do you feel like it's just song lyrics or do you, what do you think about his? It's it's work. that kind of Dylan thing for me where it 100% feels like poetry in when you're hearing it and reading it with music. If I just read it without anything on the page, which is impossible because I know that, you know, we're so attached to the, the music so attached to it now. Because like I'll see, you know, I don't know about you, but I've got the books he that he's he's put out of poetry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they, some of them read like songs and some of them don't at all. Whereas I I feel like even within Lungfish, which is such a different form than traditional songwriting, I feel like 
there is still the adherence to, you know, whatever type of verse course verse for, you know, even if it is all verse sometimes it's, mm. you know, I, I, so yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I feel like in general, it's songs that are parading as poetry and as beautiful as poetry, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely sounds like poetry from a different time. I don't know where poetry's at now or, or what's considered good poetry these days, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like it's more down to earth at this point. Um, oh yeah, it's definitely, I mean, but this, this definitely fits with like the, you know, the classical. Yeah. Modern, modernist era, or even before that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. the, I feel like Walt Whitman really fits the, the song yeah. of myself and, and uh, William Blake yeah, those are the two yeah. that always come up for me in my brain, especially like this one. Like, you know, it, it's got that kind of apocalyptic uh, as well as biblical at the same time and type of vibe with, you know, the the image of the wings of rainbow fire and all that. Like it just, I see like a Blake painting when I, uh, which is funny because I'm seeing the, I'm visualizing the, uh, his art as opposed to his writing for yeah. for this song, but yeah. It's a very old-fashioned uh, lyric, actually. Yeah, it sounds like something from Blake or yeah, Walt Whitman. It's it's not. There's nothing in it that would date it to modern times. True. Or, you know, post-industrial. It's very like mystical, and there's no images or there's nothing like modern in it. Yeah, yeah. Going down to even and the language, word too. choice, or yeah. anything. You're right. Maybe transpose. I don't know if that word is, is an oh, a century yeah. <laughs> word or not. I don't know. That's yeah. the only thing I can that I'm looking at that I can see. That's funny. But, yeah. Um, well, and doing the the crazy lungfish fan thing of drawing connections where there is or isn't, and, and just seeing it, trying to uh, find connections of things. You know, I noticed, and especially having a new baby makes that my radar really. Uh, on for these things but in the second song i don't think in the first one but in half of the songs on this album but especially the first the second song this world speaks of infants in the imagery this song speaks of babies in imagery and the next song speaks of children it's it's interesting the uh you know and i'm i'm sure that's just one of his favorite kind of go-to things and, and speaking of uh, a state of consciousness as much as the literal things but it, it, i thought i found that interesting yeah he has that going back to the earliest stuff he's done i mean like parthenogenesis and oh true he has stuff on necklace of heads and yeah he's, he's he's very i guess it's it's kind of always about that's always the concern is the sort of birth um to death of uh symbolically and you know physically mm -hmm. yeah definitely and but, and the way he when he comes in singing it's so funny i got the image a couple days ago is one of the times i was listening to it for this recording and uh now i can't get it out of my head like i every time when he first comes in i see him you know walking from the back of a room putting his hands on a pulpit and starting to sing like 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 you said like a crazy preacher yeah <laughs> like fits so well like especially even the his phrasing and the way he comes in it's perfect i think there's a little bit of, i mean as kind of bombastic as this one is i think there is a touch of fun in there with the rainbow oars of fire line and and i feel like because of the sort of sabbathy reference in this that and then we got a little dio in there in the lyrics you can definitely see the like <laughs> fantasy dragon art on the cover of this album you know with oh, flames yeah. you know and, <laughs> and um so i feel like there's a touch of that uh, you know he's it's really that's one thing about his lyrics it's hard to read humor in them but there i think there is things in them that he finds amusing that he kind of yeah um kind of little nuggets he throws in there um i think you're right i think which shows like you said him enjoying you know having fun with with some of the imagery while still it being all of a piece you know it's not thrown in willy-nilly because it all works but 
you know, you can tell certain lines, like you said, where he's, you, you know, he probably like chuckled as he's writing a couple of these. Yeah, and maybe it's a maniacal kind of um, <laughs> demented uh, chuckle, but yeah, he's yeah, he remains an enigma, and that's why we keep listening to the the albums. Yeah, uh, agreed. So, uh, let's see, anything else that you had on on this? Oh, uh, before we move away from and kind of get towards wrapping up. You know what about the actual singing on here like his phrasing and stuff because one thing i i did which i should have been doing all along but <laughs> for all the shows but i'm like oh yeah i should watch some live videos or listen but i i just go to youtube mostly and right. uh uh check out how they're attacking these songs live and if it's any different and musically it was pretty similar Except, uh, you know, uh, it was cool to see Mitchell was more so than usual, really bashing away. And and Dan uh, really does. It's like there's a structure to the way he sings, but he really plays with the way uh, certain words will live in his mouth for a moment. And he'll change or growl certain ones or stretch ones out or, you know, the way all great singers, I, I feel like, do, which is really cool to see, like, once you're so used to hearing it a certain way on record. You know, I was thinking about their music and, and their form that they, they sort of ended up in. And it is very biblical in a way, the way in which they perform music, because they kind of are very much enthrall. And there's there's a, a higher power, there's an authority, higher authority to mm -hmm. this. And they, they all go to that, that, which is that riff, you know. And it's kind of the discipline and the authority, kind of the submission is like for us as listeners, but for them as players, it kind of gives them that kind of spiritual freedom because they don't have a lot to do. So they're kind of like like monk-like, they're hammering away at their riff, you know, and and they're just, and they play with such, you know, passion. And that's that kind of like spiritual authority <laughs> does it, am i taking yeah. it too far <laughs> no no i mean you, and then then uh, you have dan you he's, he's some a, of the people <laughs> <laughs> and then you have dan he's spewing this very very religious style um you know message and words so yeah it's an interesting thing it's like yeah it is it's kind of like spiritual rock you know this like this like higher power that's come to town and it's lungfish and it's the <laughs> idea of the lungfish riff and their music and and you either submit to it and you are sort of enlightened or you're kind of like yeah it's not for me i'm just i'm not i don't i'm not into this riff you yeah. know so i feel like for them their music is like a spiritual must be a spiritual practice i don't know if you've if anyone's mentioned that who's oh been, definitely yeah. definitely it, it, it's you know uh, on the last show Joe Lolly uh, Bugazi was talking about that as well, and, and I, I think I've brought it up before. It's like they have this synth, especially live, and in the you know you get it on the record too. But especially live, you get this sense of mission, without being necessarily Fugazi type of mission, like a like you said, like a spiritual mission of submission to the music, getting out of the way as ego, and just giving the music the most. Uh, playing it with the most discipline and the most reverence that they could, which is great. But we should add that it's minus the more toxic elements of religion. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, hopefully, <laughs> we haven't yet heard. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't heard any any. Uh, you know, because when human beings get involved in this kind of thing, it usually doesn't go well. Um, right. Right. There's power. <laughs> whenever power gets involved. Yeah. On an individual level. So uh, that should be said, but I've never heard anything bad, and it seems like they just really wanted to play great music. So, <laughs> no, absolutely. And, we'll I assume mean, it's all innocent and well intentioned. <laughs> yeah, I mean Dan Higgs doesn't lead a cult anywhere, and but he doesn't have maybe a family, could, quote but, unquote. But he could, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, there's so many people would have probably signed up if he did. Yeah, if this was the early '70s, God help us, it probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he got out without, yeah, but he is kind of the father Yode of uh, Discord, isn't he? Father Yode, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. 
All right. So to wrap that part up, uh, to put a bow on there and just a couple quick little last things for you. What's a lungfish song you wish you wrote? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Put me on the spot because I'm such a Sorry. fan. Yeah. You know, I like, no, I like all the albums. So, I mean, I don't think they put a bad song to tape, to be honest. Um, I agree. I know. There's ones that didn't grab me the first <laughs> even hundred listens probably. And then either getting ready for these recordings or just at some point in time like all of a sudden it was the you know the, it incubated for the exact amount of time and it was done for me like it was fully baked and like oh okay no this song what was i thinking this is pretty great yeah even their tossed off little casio things are amazing um, <laughs> yeah. in the right context right i guess i'm being put on the spot mm-hmm. I feel like it's probably their most classic song is love is love i mean that's just such a beautiful song and the lyrics are just are just inspiring and strange and could be sung by a lot of different kinds of people which is i think a a true kind of test of a great song yeah no that is 100 percent, and could be could be interpreted uh in any different manner of arrangement and uh musical form so yeah this whole album is is such a smooth pill i mean i was kept trying to listen to fearfully and wonderfully and it would just slip into the rest of the album so fast i would just <laughs> yeah. be like oh wait i was supposed to listen to that one and uh-huh. and uh, it's over quickly and then i'm just listening to the whole album you know because it's just so well executed it is and well sequenced i mean there's just like with the arrangement of the songs the the form of the songs it seems like there's so much thought into all the realms as far as the uh sequence sequencing of uh song into song and yeah whole whole arc and every and the cover art and everything about this they've just nailed it you know yeah it's one of the best covers the best titles yeah because you know i don't know if you've mentioned this on the podcast before some of the cover art well (laughs) let's just say it it works fine but it's not (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean certain ones are that's an interesting point it's it's it's, all charming in its own way yeah. But it's not a, not always as amazing as this cover. Okay, true, true, yeah. And, you know, I've heard one of the other podcasts I listen to do something like that for who they cover. Maybe that's when I run out of songs. I'll do something like that, do a show on uh, just talking about all the different album covers with somebody. That's a fun topic. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure there's stories behind every one. I'm sure there was some elaborate reason why there's like, a bad Xerox of a bird on, on necrophones and, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, some yeah story. exactly. It all yeah. means something to him. I'm sure. <laughs> I know when I first bought that one, I bought it used uh, on CD somewhere. And once I got it and started looking at it, I'm like, God, is this a bootleg of it? What? Because <laughs> it is. It's such <laughs> it's a color Xerox. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is, but that, I, that for me is one of the best lungfish albums. I really like uh, that one. That's interesting. That that's one that, really gets the least love i think of almost any of them nobody talks about uh necrophones so that's that's weird i think probably it also because it came out at a time when they were probably at their lowest as far as like people knowing about them yeah that's a good point and people that did knew about them from before and at that point i think was when they were taking a couple years off or at least a year if not more of touring like only playing in their practice space for themselves and not going out and playing and yeah that makes sense yeah that one's really really interesting you should go back and revisit i just the guitars especially on that one i really like um but i like all of them i could i know talk about (laughs) lungfish all night (laughs) absolutely Um, another song that jumps out the only song that i actually once thought of covering was nothing is easy because it kind of has a chorus (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's like one of if not the most uh accessible radio friendly songs that they did yeah i mean it's one of the few that actually has a, a chorus where it actually changes chords and there's like that yeah yo a big kind chorus of, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why it's, it, i like that one i'm drawn to that one yeah but I mean, i'm sure that you probably never played that live after a certain time yeah after the first uh, yeah, i don't know certain but year or two 
they definitely played it early on and that's the first song that jumped out at me when i saw them live that's their Before... creep that's their creep like yeah they, it is. that's creep <laughs> oh my god that's perfect that's so true it's and that guitar is so fun though that like that's one of the things i always play when i pick up an acoustic guitar it's so fun i think it's great it's like it's like proto lungfish in a way and it's it's fantastic yeah definitely (laughs) there's somebody online that did a uh he's done a couple songs but the nothing is easy was pretty fun he did a guy that on youtube that does piano covers of some songs and he does a piano uh, cocktail version of that song it's pretty good yeah you could i did i tried it i mean i'm not gonna actually cover it for real but i i tried (laughs) and i'm like well you could actually yeah turn this one into a a pop song really yeah so have you checked out any of the post lungfish projects from these guys? Oh, the pupils. I guess that's maybe they were still lungfish when they did that. Yeah, um, towards the end. But that that's amazing. Man, yeah. that's you should do a, a pod, I guess you'll run into it on your on your Discord podcast later, but I will and I'll I'll probably go through that one after I get to the end of the uh, official lungfish records as well cuz it's it's kind of important. Same with that seven inch too. I feel like I didn't double check the dates, but I feel like love is love and the pupils are sort of around the same time. I think so. I think yeah. well, the pupils might be right before it, but it's it's pretty similar time period. You're right. Yeah, and I feel like that that is a masterful release and deserves more attention because it's really good. And then yeah, it's a it's a nice sort of companion to love is love. Because it's it's sort of like the more you know stripped down version of of what they do best. Yeah, it's stripped down, but in at times kind of lo-fi, but also kind of what a bit more experimental than anything they would do uh, by that point. Yeah, um, and I I like Zomes. I like the, the I like the first Lo Zomes record a lot when that came out, and I've seen Dan Higgs play solo a bunch because he maybe he was staying in the bay area or he used to come through here a lot in like the mid 2000s kind of in the freak folk era he was big on doing his banjo and stuff up here right and actually did meet him at a show once um that he was playing with a friend and he was very nice and and very normal like he didn't (laughs) he didn't spew spew any poetry or anything (laughs) um he was just polite and and i was kind of starstruck because you know, I'd been listening to him since I was in high school and I was like, he's like this major artistic figure. And and even as an adult, I was kind of rattled meeting him. I was like, oh, it's Dan Higgs. Like I was trying to just be normal and I didn't really know what that was, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. look down at his hands and they, they're just like covered in tattoos. He's like shakes your hand and he's got like, you know, the spider web of tattoos on his hand and you're like, oh, the kid's Dan Higgs. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't get that feeling really ever. But, you know, Lungfish, you know, they're a really big deal for me when I was a teenager. So I I like some of his solo performances. I kind of wish that he would get back together with Asa and do yeah. collab- collaborate. Um, because what they do separately, if you put it together, it <laughs> oh yeah it's amazing it would be amazing right and that's that's lungfish or the pupils so um but i think they've done very interesting things separately i just don't really listen to it as much as i listen to the mothership oh yeah yeah well put i agree and i didn't get to see that tour uh but he because it might have only been east coast too but the band dan was singing with for a while the european band skull defects they did a tour where, and there's some video online, videos online where Asa is playing with the band as well. So it's kind of like half lungfish. And it's definitely lungfish adjacent, uh, heavy music. That was great. Yeah, I'm sure there's they have their reasons why they don't continue, and it's it's nice that they have this. They put an end to a cap on their work, and but but you kind of hope that they'll they would. Ex- you know, collaborate again someday. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, and in, in whatever form would like be Morris, fascinating. Morrissey and Mar, I guess. Right. Yeah. The Severed Alliance. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like so many people. Husker Du. Right. Morrissey Mar, etc. Yeah. Yeah. But they still have a they still have a chance. They're still alive. They, yeah, exactly. Unlike some some bands, unfortunately, they do still have a chance. Anything we didn't get to that 
that came to mind about the song or about the band? No, I think we we got pretty deep into it. It was fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Glenn. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I I am, you know, honored to be on a podcast about lungfish. I'm I'm, I'm a huge fan, so yeah, I'm, I'm it's really cool what you're doing and I've listened to several of them and they always get me thinking about, you know, another lungfish record I got to put on and <laughs> Yeah. Cool. That's the idea. I mean, that honestly, that's all you can hope for from doing these things is you know, I don't I'm not doing it for to because I don't even like the sound of my own voice, but uh, <laughs> but it, you know to get to to hopefully get someone as excited about the music as I am, and because in know. real life you can't have conversations like this, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 100%. People will just go. Sorry, but let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, I, I get it. You like this band, <laughs> so you got to yeah. do a whole media empire about it in order to talk yeah. about the band you like. Yeah, yeah. Look at all the work we have to do, or I have to do. But anyway, I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you so much, Glenn. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and maybe we'll have you on a future show. If you happen to see that the Reds, Pinks, and Purples are playing near you, 
don't be a fool and miss it. Anyhow, here we are at the end once again, close to the beginning of the next one. And uh, yeah, I don't have much to say today. I really don't. Trying to be more just in the moment. And, you know, that causes less surface noise. (laughs) Uh, But feel free to reach out. You can catch me at Unanimous Hour on uh, Instagram. The uni- you can write me at unanimoushourpod at gmail.com. And yeah, just uh, let me know what you think. If you got an idea for a guest, I'd love to hear it. If you just want to talk lungfish, do that too. All right, I'll see you kids next time.